0: What is it? It's your future. It's
1: called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 14, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Singularity. And you can find us on Google Play Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and Apple Podcasts, and you know what to do. Uh, You need to rate us, and you need to review us. And you need to give us uh, good ratings and all that good stuff. And it's going to be wonderful when you do that. And I keep telling you, so, you know, hop to it. Yeah, Brent says to do it, uh, so do it. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can,
0: like uh, some people actually already have, yeah. email us at walkingthroughthestargate@gmail.com. It's W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-U-H-T-H-E, oh, man, S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E oh, oh, oh. at gmail.com. You are here for it,
1: folks. History was made here. Zach screwed up the email address. This isn't the first <laughs> time I've done that. <laughs> no, but you've been so consistently good with I it. I know. Uh, it's been
0: a long day. Uh, yeah, if yeah. you uh, don't have email for some crazy reason, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Stargate Walking and communicate with us there. Or on Facebook, you can go to our Facebook page, Walking Through the Stargate. So mm-hmm. those of you who were paying attention uh, to our Facebook page, Facebook pages are weird. Uh, and yeah. I tried to do a poll, and I tried to ask you what you thought of Hathor. Uh, mm-hmm. That was last week's episode, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and... On a Facebook page for a poll, you can have two options. One or two. That's it. Facebook group, you can have a zillion options. (laughs) So, dear listeners out there, uh, Uh uh, I am... Seriously, contemplating basically nuking the page and going yeah. just to a Facebook group, yeah, um, yeah. which should be just fine. Um, pay attention to that. Uh, I'll put notes and stuff on everything, and uh, uh, we'll get that going. And then hopefully Thanks that'll Facebook. be something that will a lot. will be able to work better. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. kind of an interesting weirdness. That's uh, that yeah. said, though. Why am I not surprised? It, it, it does create an interesting uh a process when you ask hathor if you only have two choices you have one of two choices is it the best episode ever or is it the worst episode ever
1: (laughs) i thought it was weird that there was only two choices uh i didn't i wasn't in a position to uh to to criticize but uh i did think that you know understanding now that there was a technical limitation that makes sense
0: yep uh suffice it to say uh the few people who did vote uh, which was me, my brother, and <laughs> my wife.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we all said it was the worst uh-huh. episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, there uh, we go. Now, so, At least now we know how you feel about it.
0: Yep, yep. Uh, so, as things progress, uh, you can expect on our Facebook page, I'll probably try to put up some polls there and and get your feedback on what you think of these episodes as we go awesome. along. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, Singularity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Singularity is directed by Mario Party. This is his fourth of five directing credits for SG-1. Uh, we've mm-hmm. heard his name with Children of the Gods, Brief Candle, mm-hmm. Bloodlines. We'll see him one more time also this season. Okay. Um, as I mentioned before, he was born in Malta in 1950. He moved to Canada in 1978. And then in 2013, mm-hmm. he apparently moved back to Malta. Hmm. And I was looking through his IMDb, IMDb page. His most recent project in 2018 was a movie, uh, Habil, Habilni Ha Nerba, uh, hmm. which he is the, both the writer and the director. And it's based on a true story uh, ripped straight from local headlines uh, about apparently four underage girls who bet uh, who can get pregnant first by this young man they all like. Huh.
1: And I'm like. Well, that's just weird. Uh-huh. Okay. So. Uh, that's ah uh, 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 interesting Ooh. choice of uh, content. Hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah. So,
1: yeah, there you go. Um,
0: that's Mario as a party. The teleplay <laughs> yeah. is by Ooh. our good friend Robert C. Cooper. This is his uh-huh. third of four writing credits this season. Uh, uh-huh. First Commandment and the Torment of Tantalus was before. He's got one more coming up. He was nice. born on October 14, 1968, in Toronto. His first writing credit was a 1993 film titled Blown Away, which is about a teenage beauty who tries to convince her new boyfriend that her father murdered her mother and that her father should die too. Uh huh. So,
1: there I take you it go. from that reading that, uh, that, that, that. The situation was more complicated than that.
0: Probably. Um, Probably. I didn't actually look any closer than the one-sentence synopsis on IMDb. I I bet you she did it. Well, that's possibly the truth. But I don't know the answer. If you know the answer, if you've actually seen Blown Away, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Cooper was responsible for creating much of the backstory of the Stargate universe. Mm -hmm. Uh, According to the SG-1 Essential Scripts, Cooper's ideas about the history of the Stargate universe were his own. He wasn't working from a series Bible or anything, so he basically Mm -hmm. created the series Bible as he went along. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, Among other things that he created, I can't say everything without spoiling things, Uh, (laughs) Uh he developed the idea of the Alliance of the Four Races. We saw that in Torment of Tantalus. Yeah. Um, And I'll tease you just a little bit and tell you that uh, that, that Alliance of Four Races is expounded upon. We'll learn more about that. Good. So... Excellent. Uh, okay, so the original air date is Halloween, 1997. Uh-huh. That is October ah, 31. Number one on the Halloween. charts,
1: Brent, is um, in the U.S.? Come on. The, uh, the, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Shoot. I'm putting being put on oh, the spot. Okay. I'm trying to come up with another okay. Elton John song. Uh, uh, it was uh, Candle in the Wind. Ah,
0: dang it. Yeah, it was Candle in the Wind, still on the number one spot. It's going to be there for a really, really (laughs) long time. Uh. Um, Now, there is a silver lining, Brent, at least for you and for me. Yes. The next episode after this one is after a break. It take it was uh, originally aired, I think, in January or something. So Ooh. maybe, I haven't actually looked. There's a maybe chance. Maybe there's a chance gotcha. that the U.S. Okay. is not stuck on Elton John the next time we meet. Awesome. Okay. Now, while the U.S. was still stuck with Elton, the U.K. was uh, bouncing around to Aqua's Barbie girl,
1: <laughs> nice. So, uh, come on, Barbie, let's go party. Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> come on, Barbie, <laughs> let's go party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it yeah or
0: oh? I don't. I, I, I don't know. I'm just enjoying hearing you do that.
1: <laughs> I'm a Barbie girl in the Barbie world. <clears throat> All right, so. Life's fantastic, Uh, or no, life in plastic, it's fantastic, that's it. Anyway, sorry, sorry, carry on. In the box office, this weekend,
0: uh, number one, uh, still number one, I Know What You Did Last Summer, number two, Mm, Red Corner, this is new, I don't know this movie. Uh, The Devil's Advocate is number three, Boogie Nights is number four, that jumped Uh, from 12 last week, Uh, so uh now it's in the top five. Um, Folks, uh, Folks really wanted to see Mark Wahlberg. There you go. Mm-hmm. And finally, Kiss the Girls rounds out the top five. Uh-huh. Okay. So, what happened around this time? Um, mm-hmm. Well, on October 30th, one day before this aired, Shirley Allen, who was 51, held Illinois police off for 39 days. Uh, she was captured on the 30th. Um what? I, I, I mean... I, I, there, there it is, right there. there. it is. Uh, so, you know, I, I... had never heard of that. Before. I don't know what this is, and I didn't have time no? to look it up, but it sounds fascinating uh, yeah. that this, this 51-year-old woman held off the Illinois police for nearly 40 days.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, so, um, on October 31st, British au pair Louise Woodward, who was 19, was sentenced mm-hmm. to life for the death of Matthew Epen um eight and a half months judge changes to time served sure um i don't know what i wrote Mm. there i was Mm. so um some weirdness was happening in uh britain yeah well they were listening to aqua (laughs) (laughs) yeah fair enough yeah yeah okay (laughs) Uh, Okay, so trivia about this episode The Douglas Uh McLean Memorial Observatory On planet P3X987 Uh Is named after the series art director Douglas McLean Oh, okay, cool That's kind of cool And then, now, when O'Neill, you remember when they first bump into The the diseased dead bodies Uh uh, O'Neill tells them Okay, go to MOP4 Which is Military Uh Operational Protective Procedure uh, oh, the team okay. actually only went to mop one
1: <laughs> does it say colonel anywhere <laughs> on his uniform <laughs> uh, mop four would consist of
0: protective masks, suits, uh-huh. gloves, yeah. boots yeah. Uh, which they don't put on I, I suspect that later, later on in the episode yeah. when they've got yeah. those yellow suits, jumpsuits, those yeah. are probably mop four I'd guess, yeah. I don't know uh, this is the first episode in which Nakoda is identified by name.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't or I didn't appreciate the significance of that, since yeah. I had already known what they were talking about. When yeah, talking about yeah. so Oh, but, this, but they did. Yeah, Nakoda. The stuff they, the Stargate's They've been made talking
0: about this, the material the Stargate was made yeah. of, and it's unique and rare, and has special properties and all that stuff. This is the first time it's given a name, Nakoda. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, suffice it to say, that's going to stick with us for a long time. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. This is also the first episode to show the exterior exterior of yeah. the Hot Top Class Wooled attack vessel.
1: Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, yeah we'll, we'll, we will see more of that'll those. that will come back. Yeah. I, yep. Yeah. I, I mean, in in our recording today, I'm going to be bringing that up. Oh, oh. Ooh.
0: Okay. Yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, suffice it to say, most of the medical readouts for pretty much everything in this episode were inaccurate. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to go into all of those. Uh, but apparently at one point in time, they had the blood pressure for, for Cassandra bouncing around. And yet the, the numbers would have been what they would have been for a normal adult. And she being like a 12 year old girl would not have those numbers. Oh yeah. Um, Okay. You know? Okay. In any case they were wrong. Tealk refers to near as a, he, um, later episodes uh, we find out that near is in fact female oh so i mean Whoops. you wouldn't have known that and it's not really a goof per se here other mm. than mm-hmm. you know uh but it's always you know fun for me uh to do that uh, and uh, yeah so right all right yeah all right so are you ready for the synopsis brent Yeah. All right. Here we go once again again. from the Stargate Command Wiki with some of my own edits. Although this one required many, much fewer. Oh,
1: good. They're Uh, getting
0: better. Well, this one was better. (laughs) SG-1 is leaving Stargate Command through the Stargate. They are heading to the planet Hanka, where SG-7 has established the Douglas McLean Memorial Observatory. SG-1's mission is to use the observatory to view a black hole relatively near Hanka. The upcoming eclipse makes this an ideal time to observe the black hole. Okay, technically, as Captain Carter explains, you can't actually see the black hole, but you can see the stuff spinning around uh, towards the black hole. And Jackson is very surprised when O'Neill correctly names that spinning matter as the accretion disk. After all, O'Neill's telescope at home wasn't just for watching the neighbor's. (laughs)
1: Nerf, nerf, nerf. <laughs> however,
0: <laughs> however, after walking through the gate, SG-1 finds that the situation on the planet has drastically changed. No one is around, and soon they come across the body of one of the natives of Honka, killed by some kind of disease. Immediately, O'Neill calls for protective gear. The team, except for Teal, put on protective masks and gloves. Daniel and Teal'c head off to check the village, while Carter and O'Neill head toward the observatory. In the observatory, they discover that SG-7 has also died due to this mysterious plague. As Jack and Sam struggle to grasp what's happened, Daniel and Teal'c arrive, and Daniel gravely reports that everyone is dead. Not long later, SGC personnel, including Dr. Janet Frazier, arrive to assess the situation. Using the observatory complex as sort of a home base, we soon hear Frazier announce that the complex has been decontaminated. Now, Carter wants to leave the compound and search for any survivors, but Frazier insists that the team be examined immediately, and because O'Neill touched the first body they found without gloves, he is the first to be examined." After being examined and released, the team begins searching for and tagging bodies. Daniel Daniel recounts what he heard from the natives three months earlier when the SGC sent its first team to the planet. The natives had said that with the darkness would come the apocalypse. Daniel seems to believe that this plague was in part the fault of Earth, S.G.C. personnel insisted that their fears were based on a myth and that the darkness was merely an astrological phenomenon. The subject is dropped when they find their first bodies. Carter tags one of the bodies, but moments later, someone in the bushes reaches out and removes the tag. Believing the person to be scared by the protective outfits the team is wearing, O'Neill tells Teal'c, who is not wearing a protective suit since his symbiote will protect him anyway, uh, to try to look friendly and get the survivor to come out from hiding. Teal'c convinces the person to leave the bushes. It's a young girl. Carter introduces herself to the girl, but she remains silent. The team brings her back to the complex for Frasier to examine. After Fraser's examination, she reveals that the girl is not infected by whatever killed the rest of her village. However, she does have traces of Nakoda, the element that makes up the Stargate in her blood. The doctor guesses that the Naquita may have been the reason she... Let me try that again. Try it again. Uh, the doctor guesses that the Naquita may have been the reason she was able to resist the infection. Later, Frazier briefs the team on the problem. The area's water and ground are both contaminated, but none of SG-1 tested positive for the infection. Yay! Carter attempts to convince O'Neill to allow the team to stay and observe the eclipse in the black hole. While she's speaking, the young survivor comes up from behind and hugs Carter. O'Neill observes that Carter won't be staying, but he and Teal will. Carter and Jackson return to Earth with the young girl, who appears amazed and somewhat intimidated by the gate room. She then takes the girl to the room where she will be staying while at the SGC. Carter attempts to leave, assuring the girl that she will be back soon, but the girl does not want her to go, so Carter agrees to stay. Meeting with General Hammond and and Daniel, Dr. Frazier explains that Earth may be indirectly responsible for the disease. She explains that one of the teams may have brought a harmless bacteria to the planet, where it then mutated into an infectious and deadly strain. Reassuring Hammond that nobody brought the bacteria back to Earth, she goes on to say that they may have brought the cure back with them, the young girl who, for whatever reason, survived. Fraser hopes that the girl may have a natural immunity that could be used to prevent other infections on Earth. Carter, who stayed with the girl, appears to have decorated the room during the briefing. Using paints provided by Carter, the girl illustrates, illustrates the death all around her. Attempting to convince the girl that she is not alone, Carter paints herself into the picture. Back on Hanka. Tilk tries to understand what exactly a black hole is. O'Neill attempts to explain, describing it as a really big thing, or a a massive hole that is out there. Tilk simply responds, I see. (laughs) O'Neill continues, describing what the black hole actually does. It it just sucks it all in. Tilk matter-of-factly responds, thank you.
1: O'Neill is not a particularly good teacher. No, Mm -mm. no, no, the least, at least not here. (laughs) Okay. He's just not
0: a good teacher. Uh, On earth. After Carter tries to leave the room, the young girl grabs her arm and speaking for the first time says, please don't go. Carter then learns the girl's name, Cassandra complaining of pain. Cassandra is taken to Dr. Frazier who discovers that the girl has low potassium levels Cassandra then suddenly collapses. Frasier immediately begins trying to help the girl, but while listening to her heart, finds an unusual noise, and a chest x-ray reveals that something has been growing inside her body. A biopsy reveals that whatever it is appears to be at least partially organic and has the ability to stop Cassandra's heart. Carter's analysis of the object reveals that one side is made of iron and potassium, which accounts for ca- ca- uh, which accounts for Cassandra's <laughs> low potassium levels. That's hard. It's and like the a other,
1: what? Weird tongue tw- Carry on. Sorry. No, oh, okay. <clears throat>
0: and the other side of this object is the Naquita. She performs an experiment to see what happens when. Potassium and Naquita react. Watching through a closed circuit camera from a safe distance, Carter watches as a microscopic amount of the two elements are brought together, creating an explosion large enough to destroy everything in the room. Radiation levels rise off the charts. Fortunately, SGC personnel don't have to worry, given that the experiment occurred in a lead-lined room a safe distance away. On Hanca, Tilk and O'Neill are observing the black hole when they discover a Guawuld attack vessel. In a meeting, Daniel and Carter speculate that Cassandra is being used involuntarily as a weapon by the Guawuld as a means of destroying, at the very least, the SGC complex and the Stargate. Frazier also reveals that the cellular decay leaves them with only one hour and 52 minutes to solve the problem. While observing the attack vessel, Teal'c sees something leave the attack vessel and insists that they must leave for the Stargate immediately. On Earth, Hammond has made the decision to send Cassandra back to her home planet to prevent Earth's Stargate and the facility from being destroyed. Back on Hanka. Tilk and O'Neill are running to the Stargate, being chased by Gulwuld Death Gliders. Tilk explains to O'Neill that the Gul'd Neerti has before used negotiations as a ploy to destroy an opponent's Stargate. O'Neill realizes that the girl is almost certainly another of Neerti's attempts to destroy a Stargate. On Earth, while the crew is dialing Hanka, Cassandra once again collapses. Before the final chevron can be encoded, Teal'c completes the dialing sequence on Hanka and thereby opens the Earth Stargate, returning to Earth with O'Neill. As soon as they get through, Jack orders Cassandra to be taken away from the Stargate. In the briefing room, Teal'c believes that if Cassandra goes through the Stargate, the gate will be destroyed. With the option of taking Cassandra back to her home planet off the table, the SGC decides to send Cassandra to an abandoned nuclear facility. 30 floors below solid rock ought to protect the planet from the nuclear fallout of the device inside Cassandra's body. On the way to the bottom floor of the nuclear facility, Cassandra wakes up. She notices that Carter is crying, but Carter is unable to explain why. Once the 30th floor is reached, Carter opens the vault where Cassandra must stay and tells her to rest for a while. In in tears, Carter explains that she must leave. Cassandra reminds Carter that she promised never to leave her alone. Carter tells her she is brave. She closes the vault and, still in tears, leaves for the elevator. As she begins the journey back to the surface... Suddenly, Carter stops the elevator and returns to Cassandra. Carter tells O'Neill that she is staying despite his order to return to the surface. The time clicks to zero, but there is no explosion. Carter reveals that she and Cassandra are okay. She explains that she simply knew that Cassandra would not explode. The episode closes with Daniel, Carter, and Teal'c walking through a park with Cassandra. O'Neill approaches carrying a dog, and he explains that there is a rule on Earth. Every child needs a dog. Carter explains that Frazier will take care of Cassandra until adoptive parents can be found, and that the object has been shrinking ever since she was taken away from the gate. Cassandra repeats that the Stargate is a secret and that she will tell people that she is from a strange place called Toronto. The end. The end.
1: So Brent. Mm -hmm.
0: Singularity. What'd
1: Mm -hmm. you think of it? So I have to um, set the stage a little and uh, uh, confess that I was in a bit of a compromised state when I watched this episode. So I only watched it yesterday, watched it yesterday afternoon. Um, And uh, Zach, you don't know this yet. Uh, So most of the day I was spent uh, with uh, uh, my cat Sully having, uh, and I having just gone to the vet uh, for a couple of hours in the middle of the day, he's uh, still with us, uh, but he is definitely kind of like coming around. uh, He's 14. He's old coming around to, uh, not being with us anymore. Aww. And, uh, I'm not sure what that path is going to look like. Um, so there's a little bit of uncertainty on that one. Um, well, but so I was kind of, hear that. thank you very much. I So I was feeling kind of down when I started watching this episode. Um, and, uh, or it, it, down is not the right word. I was feeling a little down, but definitely worn out. Um, you know, cause it was kind of an emotional midday mm-hmm. and, uh, So anyway, so I'm watching this episode, right? And uh, I can't remember if I've also mentioned that I have a daughter. I do. Uh, And uh, this episode (laughs) tore me to pieces. It... (laughs) It tore me up like no other. Uh, and I'm confident it has everything to do with the, the emotional state that I was in yesterday and not so much to do with the story. But as a result, <laughs> listening, Zach, listening to you read the synopsis, there was all sorts of things I'm like, oh, I didn't catch that. And I didn't realize that. And <laughs> there was a, oh, there was a lot man. in there that I'm like, I'm like, oh, that makes a heck of a lot more sense now. Um so, did I like this episode? Yes, I really liked this episode. I, um, it, it definitely was one like I mentioned that was really ripping at me emotionally. And one might say to themselves, "Why on earth do you want to? You know, did you like such a thing that made you like feel so bad?" And it's kind of the same way as to why people ride roller coasters or go to haunted houses. Um, you know, it, it was cathartic, and so. Uh, uh, but every single moment in this episode where a heart string is tugged, like I was just like over the edge, like, like, like the, the, the scene in the middle where she was painting the mm-hmm. scene, you know, all the dead bodies there. And, and then the little girl that, st- you know, her, the painting, the little girl, little tears dropping down. I'm just like, you know. Waterworks are happening in real life over on my side of the <laughs> equation too, and like at the tail end, like the the last scene I, oh boy, oh, I mean I knew somehow Carter was going to survive, and I knew because of the promo that Carter was going back for Cassandra, and I knew because of where we were in the story that there was only like. 90 seconds left before this thing blows up so there was an awful lot of stuff that i had already going into this moment mm-hmm. um so i knew somehow this thing was gonna turn out okay but oh boy but the the possibility within that story that cassandra might die alone i oof oof oh, yeah oh yeah yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. well, yeah. Th- this
0: the story does a tremendous job in that moment um, of making you think that what if it doesn't go well? Sure. And and yeah. and, and and you dwell in it. I mean, so like you were saying, like okay, yeah, I know there's 30, you know ninety seconds left of the episode, and I know that she's going to survive and all of this stuff, and yet there's that moment where you think, I mean the the characters don't know that right you know uh when o'neill is like sam are you there sam right i mean y- you're just like oh man you know y- y- it this is this is the most emotional episode we've had of stargate
1: okay that makes me feel well i was about to say that makes me feel better um You know, no, I'm going to own my emotions. I'm glad to hear, though, that um, that I wasn't necessarily reacting so strongly to kind of a middling emotional ride. I mean, they were definitely throwing out all the uh, I hesitate to call them cheap hooks, but, you know, they kind of are Um, the, the the let's let's introduce a character who tugs at heartstrings just generally because not only is she a child, but she is a vulnerable child and she's orphaned and she is alone and she's attached or she's bonding to this character you know there so there's this development of uh uh you know uh, of a safety net that's getting mm-hmm. created and then that very safety net is the one that has to like leave her and oh boy oh, oh yeah Ooh, but oh you're about to say something no oh, uh, no go ahead i don't remember there was uh in the same vein of an overly emotional Brent watching this episode uh, when it was revealed that this was a weapon trick by a rival Gould mm-hmm. like, Oh boy. Oh boy. I'm not one to actually wish Xenocide. Like that's not who I am as a person. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every single Gould can die in a fire. now now you don't feel
0: near as bad about that whole daniel jackson shooting the the no
1: i don't and you know uh and i get it i mean that's an over that's an overgeneralization i am 100% willing to walk that thing right back um but in this moment right now um what a what a rotten dirty trick and uh and this is a this is a vicious bad guy that has that 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 knows no depth of depravity mm-hmm. and let's uh, uh, let us let us righteously uh, uh, cleanse them from wow that 's strong language, but you know yeah, yeah. let 's get him out of here yeah. well okay. yeah. <laughs> so so you were talking
0: about how this this affected you, um, i yeah. 've seen this so many times that that the emotion of this episode does not affect me now as it did. Before and yet, sure, a couple of days ago, as I was watching this episode, maybe it was yesterday, I don't remember for sure. But as I was watching this episode, I was paying a little closer attention this time than I have for you know, last several times, and I was just sure. noting um, how well this episode really does of just bringing you into the story and connecting you so you feel with these characters.
1: Mm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
0: And you know, and I thought that Amanda Tapping just did a awesome job
1: uh, Yeah, of, yeah. Her, of playing her, those emotions. Her scene in the elevator on the way back up, you know, that, that, that racking mm-hmm. grief, um, she did a, she, I, I, I give her like a 90%, 95%. Like there was a little bit in there that it, I, I could kind of tell that she was pushing it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know how many takes, you know what I mean? Like that might've been her 10th take, you know, like it, it's, it's hard to, to come plowing in with that level of emotion mm-hmm. on demand. hmm Um, but still, like, I was, I was right there. I was right there. (laughs) Yep. Yep.
0: So, what else did you find about this episode?
1: So, um, there, I don't know, like, I I'm not sure like what my litmus test is with this thing, but like uh, the note that I wrote down here, which was kind of, you know, humorous, is it me or is this thing starting to turn into a sci-fi show? Um, <laughs> like, like, you know, that, that, uh, you know, the, the, the cutaway shot um, that kind of, when they go through the gate and the sign there, I didn't, I didn't, I should have rewound it and read the sign, but you know, I got the impression that it was like, you know, you know welcome to a forward base set up by the sg teams right mm, like mm-hmm. um and then they panned to the shot of the uh little base and you know there's all these futuristic windmills and there's guard, or there's there's farms everywhere um i didn't uh, this is a little bit of a, of a of a meh or a bad i didn't quite catch that uh there were people there already uh i thought that this was an outpost basically mm. and so at first i was like oh hey colonization efforts and science and you know like i I was like kind of jamming on the you know the notion of like you know it felt like it was turning a corner into the whole like you know using the stargate morph you know not only for exploration but also for um the colonization of humankind sure so i was like kind of excited about that and then the 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 shot and the distance of the base with the futuristic windmills and i'm like hey that's cool and you know it's also a science futuristic windmills i'm gonna have to look at that again and and it wasn't much i'm grew up as a farmer so you know like i pay attention to windmills but um uh yeah so but but it was small stuff and it wasn't like far future it was just like near future and um it was fun, I liked it, and yeah, and then the uh the scene where the eclipse happens, and they they are observing the eclipse in the telescope and da 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 and they see the attack ship, and then you know now it's really turning a corner for me that it is a space based well not i we're we're getting there a space based science fiction show, which is of course my favorite um you know, because there's this alien ship out there and, you know, it's, they're, they're really bad guys. You know, like it's, it's just kind of, it's starting to gel. And, uh, you know, obviously all of the foundational elements have been putting, have been getting put into place. And, you know, there's probably still more foundational elements to come. Um, and, you know, at any given point, one could say, Brent, duh, this has been a sci fi thing since the beginning. But it always <laughs> kind of felt like, um, you know, the adventures of a science military base uh, that, you know,
0: yeah, run well, up, up against
1: aliens every now and
0: again. Right. Uh, up to this point in the show, predominantly, uh, the story has centered, frankly, around Earth. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and while yeah. even the episodes are when they've gone off planet, it doesn't really feel like they're necessarily off planet um and there have been several episodes where they don't go off-planet already. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and and when they do go off-planet, they meet a culture that is radically inferior technologically to right. uh, the SGC personnel. So, yeah, I can understand where you're coming from, where it, it has kind of felt a little bit like, um, you know, just sort of a, a, a military procedural type of thing. Sure. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, this 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 episode kind of changes that a little bit, is what I'm hearing. And you say. what was
1: the the, the Knox? You know, even in the Knox, where it was you know plainly stated at the end, "Hey, these folks are not as backwards as you think they are." Mm-hmm. It still kind of had an aura of magic about it. You know, it was it was it was plainly insinuated that this was some kind of technology, and it was very advanced, and they were doing just fine. They don't need your stupid human help, thank you very much. But. Uh, that one wasn't it, it that one felt more fantasy that moment felt more like fantasy than science mm-hmm. and so uh you know so now that we're getting into you know ships and and elements and you know weaponry and you know like now it's starting to kind of like cut into that mm-hmm. this this science fiction you know television sci-fi that i really like Woo. so you know yeah i know yeah it's coming along it's coming Yay. along so yeah um I didn't
0: end up writing a whole lot of notes because I didn't have time because I was doing all of the other show notes. Um, uh, so I'm trying to think about okay. what, what I liked. I, I thought the name of the episode was weird. Um,
1: uh, yeah. It, it's, oh, it's yeah. It's titled
0: Singularity. And yeah. while, I mean, I guess maybe you could talk about Cassandra being the singular one left on the planet. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but it, I don't know where they come, where it comes from really. I mean, I guess that's, I mean, you got the, the black hole, which would be a singularity, sure. but, but the black right. hole plays almost no point in the whole story. It, no. It's not part no. of the story. Um, so uh, I, I found the name of this episode a little bit odd. Uh, despite well, the fact that I like the
1: episode, it certainly implies that the focus of the story is, is a um, a point of critical of, of criticalness of criticality uh, and so without any other information about what's going to come in the story going forward um I mean, you're totally right. I completely forgot that the title that the episode was called Singularity, you know, after having watched it. So, you know, no harm, no foul. I'm walking away from this thing, having a little piece of the story of the Stargate universe, and I'm just walking away. But it certainly does imply that there's something about this, either the girl herself or what happened to the girl as a fulcrum point, almost like that. This is that all things come to this point, Uh, which I am willing to bet, you know. I, I, spoilers or not, whatever. I, I kind of, I mean, I'm sure that there are aspects of this episode which are definitely like a corner turning moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of doubt that it has anything to do with Cassandra. And I kind of doubt that it has anything to do with an iron potassium Naquita nuclear bomb.
0: Are you saying that we're not going to hear about that a very again? About? About the, about, the, the potassium Naquita bomb and, and, and Cassandra mm-hmm. and
1: all of that stuff? I would be surprised if we ever hear about Cassandra again, ever. Okay. And the next time that we hear about the explosive potential of Naquita, I would be shocked if it has anything to do with um, iron, potassium in somebody's heart. Interesting. We oh. will have to wait <laughs> and see. Okay. <laughs> no spoilers here. Turns out, turns out season two is nothing but Cassandra and her heart of explodiness. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the,
0: the season two <laughs> is this long twenty episode arc right. that's yeah. all about
1: <laughs> cardiovascular health,
0: <laughs> and it, it, it it's a PSA about not eating too many French fries.
1: And you know, and speaking right, <laughs> and speaking of uh, uh, potassium and um, I thought that that little I thought that the experiment was ridiculous. Like just flat out ridiculous. How on earth did for, okay? There's so many. There's so many. How on earths here? Here we go. Here's the first one. Okay. How on earth did they realize that potassium and aquita were going to react that strongly, without having you know, if there's if there's like just a few molecules on each, like whatever. Like somebody had to have made a critical mistake at some point and be like, well, let's just put a gram here, a gram of this and a gram of bang. Everybody's dead. Yeah. Um, Right, but well, didn't
0: happen. A couple of things. Uh, I'm, I'm going to play my standard defense. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. So, okay. um, a they already have experience with Nakoda as being something that is uh, a multiplier of nuclear energy. That is the. That's true. Th- That's that a huge element of the movie. In fact. That's right, that's right. Okay, so they know that Naquita has this possibility of being uh, profoundly troubling in that regard. Uh, They also know that uh, whatever this thing is in Cassandra's chest, it ain't good. I guess. Okay, now also, as for, I mean, how much Naquita do they have Okay, so they put a scope in her and they went with a little, uh, you know, pick of some sort inside. her. So how much NACU did they have? Not much more than a microscopic amount.
1: Yeah. Now, I'll grant
0: you this, that it would be it would have been more reasonable to talk about, you know, I mean, a microscopic amount, um, you know, when, when you have... A, a virtually non existent amount as it is uh, you know it 's saying you know just just a minuscule amount may have been better than a microscopic amount. Um, Now, what is a little providential is that uh, they decided to try this experiment um,
1: in a lead-lined room Uh in the basement. That Um, was another part, yeah. So, I'll I'll, I'll grant you that. um, And also, completely ruined that room for future experiments. Like, they might as well just cordon off that entire section of the mountain. Do not come here. It's blowed up.
0: Well... To be fair, it's better that room than
1: anything else in the SGC. Absolutely, I'm just saying that that was that was a that was a luxurious uh, room with a couple of robot arms lead lined, buried under rock that they just threw away. Yeah. Oh. Pay okay. Very fun. Look, it blew up. <laughs> and also, if I'm gonna be if I'm gonna be this snarky devil, if I'm gonna be this snarky person here, how did they know if? Okay, fine. Potassium is an extremely volatile element. Great. Understand. And, you know, when paired with Naquita, it's a bleh, don't, don't do it. That don't but do. But how, how do how do they, I mean, like when they were doing the biopsy, like, did they think to themselves, huh, this relatively extremely stable, but yet still able to oxidize element called stainless steel and Naquita. Like, did they ever think that that might be a problem? <laughs> <laughs> apparently no, not. Apparently not. Yeah. Um.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that, that there are some, some story elements here that uh-huh. uh, uh, are, are very effective for the sake of the story, but may or yes. may not actually make a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> well, all right, I'll so, be sure uh, to include I, that I, in I'm, my
1: paper on xenoperiodic uh, uh, Zeno tables. There you go. There you yeah. go. Um,
0: so, yeah, I'm just trying to think. I just... I liked this episode more this time than I remember liking it in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it was. Maybe it maybe it's because I mean the last times that i've watched the series i have just binge watched it and so i'm just like episode episode you know just piling them yeah. right after each other and so this sure. kind of get gets lost between um what was it uh, hathor last week and uh fire and water the week before and, and whatever yeah. is coming next sure um you know so maybe it gets lost in there when when you did that uh, i don't oh, know, sure but but i rem- i don't remember liking it in the past, as much as I liked it watching it this time around, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. uh, I, that moment you mentioned it, that moment where, where, uh, uh, Cassandra is drawing the picture of, of everybody dead and she's alive. She's the only one there that's alive. Uh, and that, 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 that drawing of isolation is, is palpable and raw. Yeah. Uh, and then you see Sam come in and permanently alter the picture with with her own stick figure of herself, and say, "You know what? You're not alone. I'm mm-hmm. here with you." Uh, mm-hmm. I mean that that was. I mean, that, that's what it's all yeah. about. I mean, yeah, that,
1: that, that's that's an all what it's all about moment. Um, I mean, there there's the I, I'm a person who's prone to empathy generally, Mm-hmm. and. Um, I work in an environment which uh, which cherishes that and I th- consider that to be one of my strongest strengths uh, and I draw on it when I am in my role as father uh, and to, uh, to see somebody who's vulnerable and correctly identify why they are hurting and know that you have it in your power to help ease the pain of that mm-hmm. and then to do so is like that is speaking my language like that is a hundred and ten percent what i am all about and so, it's not
0: frankly I'm, I'm gonna just tweak what you said it's not about easing mm-hmm. her pain because we can't do that we can't ease the pain of another person mm-hmm. it's not possible mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it is possible to to share with another person yeah. that hey i know that you're hurting and then i'm gonna sit with you and yeah. and in that moment of of actual person to person connection on that level of empathy and compassion, uh, something does transcend. Something happens, and and the pain doesn't hurt. Yeah. It not isn't, isn't yeah. as sharp as it was. It doesn't mean it's not yeah. still there. It doesn't mean right. that it doesn't. It's all of a sudden stop hurting. It Doesn't mean that everything's all better now. But but there's that that feeling, the recognition that hey, I may be going through this, whatever this is, but I am not. Alone, and that mm. is is really really powerful,
1: yeah yeah so which then uh contrasting that against the very last scene where and you know I mean this might be a thing too like i i um I generally believe that most people think that kids um that their ability to understand the world around them or their ability to deduce uh, increases over time. And I completely disagree. We teach them more tools. They get more savvy, but their capacity for deduction, their capacity to understand what's happening is very present, very early. And so, yeah, I mean, it's written by a bunch of adults. uh, It's played by a child actor, but that, that last scene where she puts it all together and understands that she's about to get left behind and you know it plays a little like she m- might be buying what carter is saying but i was watching it like she's not buying jack she knows uh, precisely I, that carter means to leave and never come again
0: uh, well and I, I, I think you're right i think she knows that that, that yeah. uh, cassandra knows that i mean if if carter's leaving then i ain't coming out of this
1: and, but Cassandra doesn't know what's about to happen. That, she wasn't told true. that she's about to blow up in a minute. That's true. She thinks that she's now locked in this room, un, you know, for an interminable amount of time. You know, she, like there's no, it's just this open ended despair moment. Oh, yeah. And, and, oh my gosh. And how up tears that
0: Carter in that moment, uh, in that elevator? You get it. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. she gets it. She's like, I mean, and I've seen this episode. Dozens of times. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, at least. Uh, It might actually be dozens. Uh, Gosh, that's kind (laughs) of sad. I've seen this episode a lot. And and so, like, I know that that Carter's going to turn around and go back. And yet, in that moment, I was thinking, my goodness, what if she doesn't go back? What if Cassandra really does blow up? And what does this do to to Carter's psyche for the rest of whatever? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I felt in that moment that the story could have legitimately gone both ways and it would have been yeah. impactful.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, it, you know, if they wanted to tell a story about uh, like the demise of the SG-1 team, right? Like if they wanted to tell a story about the um, the capacity for uh, destruction that humans have against themselves... Uh, and do it in a way that was very insidious and had nothing to do with bullets. Like they could have tur- they could have made a completely different decision in that moment and been able to tell a very dark, disturbing, compelling human story um, because Carter would have been wrecked. Just wrecked.
0: Well, they they wouldn't have had to even go that dark to tell a different but sure. compelling story. Um you're right. She but but she would have had to then take a long time to figure out how does she process all of that. Yeah. You know, what would yeah. happen uh, what does she do now that, that, uh, you know, I mean, she made the right decision, uh, as general, O'Ne- or general uh, general, uh, Hammond said earlier, as a matter of fact, uh, the decision is easy. We have mm-hmm. to send her off the planet to die. It's the consequences that are hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, it would have been that times a hundred yeah. uh, or yeah. more for, for Carter. And that would have been just as a compelling episode as as what we get
1: Um, i mean i'm glad they turned it into tv magic you know i'm glad that they uh that you know turns out everything's okay um especially especially the state i was in yesterday like i kind of needed a little bit of everything turns out okay in the end but also Uh, even in
0: that moment though the the storytelling is great because you see cassandra wake up and mm -hmm. i mean i totally buy that i mean i don't understand why it would have disappeared as they got further away from the stargate that part doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense to me but okay mm-hmm. i'll just take that as a given it mm-hmm. would it makes sense that if that was starting to dissipate in her system she could wake up and yeah. and and yeah. you know so that that line it, there's a lot of tv magic where where they you know, bring their characters to the point of of annihilation, and then they go, "Oh, just kidding," and right. they don't really have satisfying answers to that. This this order of the story, this direction of the story, this movement uh, makes sense to me. I buy it.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. <sighs> well, yeah, I know. It's a tough one, but I I liked it. Me too. All right. Well, Brent, it's about yeah. that time. Yeah. You have seven chevrons. Yeah. How many chevrons do
1: you give Singularity? So even though I am just gushing positively about this episode, um, I am pretty confident that when I watch it again, I'm probably not going to have nearly as strong of a reaction. I probably will never have no reaction. I probably will still have a pretty strong reaction. Um but but you know my my enjoyment of the episode had a whole lot to do with my personal context than anything else so even though i might have been talking as if this thing were like literally the best television i have ever watched uh indeed it is not um and uh though it has been an enjoyable ride uh it I I do have to temper it a little bit by saying, yeah, there was some weird stuff in here and there. And it definitely was kind of overly reliant on, uh, pulling my heartstrings in predictable ways. So it's still going to be a nice score, but it is not going to be a seven and it's not even going to be a six. I'm giving singularity five out of seven chevrons.
0: Five. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, now I've got to figure out, what I'm going to give this uh, you know, that, that's a, that's a good, good number there for you, Brent five. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you gave broke divide a six, which needs a couple of asterisks on top of that and then you got <laughs> several fives, the torment of Tantalus, this one, I think yeah. you're right. The knocks, you gave a five. Yeah. Five's a good number. Five's a good number. I'm trying to decide where I would put it. I, I agree. I, I don't have the vocabulary right at this moment to talk about um, what, where I would put this. Uh, as I was kind of thinking about wh- how many chevrons I would give this uh, like yesterday and the day before as I was kind of prepping things and whatnot, I was kind of thinking, you know what, this r- kind of strikes me as a four chevron episode. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and I think it's more than a
0: four. Um, I'm not sure I want to give it
1: five. I was definitely thinking it was going to be four for me, and then our conversation now uh, push it up to five.
0: I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push it higher than what I was originally thinking, because I think you're mm-hmm. right. I agree with you. Uh, but I'm not going to go all the way to five. I'm going to go four and a half. Four and a half. Four and a half se- chevrons. That's respectable. I agree, uh, because I said so. <laughs> 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 okay. So, Brent. Yes. This is a tough one. Yeah. The next episode is called Korai. Mm
1: uh-huh. hmm.
0: It's spelled C O R dash capital A I.
1: Mm hmm. What's this episode about? So, I noticed how the episode was spelled. I'm going to go ahead with my original, slightly silly explanation about what this episode is about but as i'm actually thinking about it i'm kind of wondering if this is actually where they're gonna go with this thing but okay like for real okay. but the sg1 team goes through the stargate and finds a planet of knowledge similar to the one that they found in the torment of tantalus inside the planet of knowledge they hearken to their knowledge to their understanding and expertise that they have gained in their many missions abroad and pull up the interface that allows them to start querying a vast untapped well no certainly tapped long since untapped fount of knowledge they ask the shimmering being which displays itself as an avatar of the of the appreciation of understanding that is in this thing. Uh, they say we we want to know more about the people that created this. And they the, the shimmering avatar identifies himself as Korai. Later on they discover that indeed what it is is an incredibly advanced artificial intelligence that is core to the attributes to the the, the civilization that built the Stargates. The team then wrestles with trying to gain control back over the base as the core AI doesn't want to die and be left alone again, or whatever, because that's how TV magic works. (laughs) What will the team do? Will they be able to escape? Will Core be able to help them? Will they be a new ally in the fight against the Gould? Tune in next time for Core Eye. That is fascinating, Brent. Yeah. Yep. Because I, I was definitely going in that direction at first, because I was like, oh, hey, I should do a riff on the concept of a core AI. But now all of a sudden I'm like, is this like a viger moment in Star Trek, the motion picture? Like, uh,
0: is, this, well, is this what it's going to be about? Uh, I can't comment on any of that. Uh-huh. I'll let it just sit there. Uh, uh-huh. Shall we watch the trailer? Yes. All right. All right. Are you ready? ready? Yes, Korai, go. The All crimes right. from
1: Tielk's past are catching up with him. You killed my father. For this crime, the punishment is death. Now he must face his judge, jury, and executioner. He must pay for what he has done. But not Wait a, right. a minute. But the one thing he can't escape isn't this the pilot? Isn't this Encounter alone. at Farpoint? My friend is his own conscience. No, it's not Encounter at Farpoint. Or maybe it's the measure of a man. Whose father you have just Oh, could be the measure Our of a man. <ASG1>. Alright, okay, alright Alright, so we got, uh, so we got, uh We got Teal Con Trial Teal Con Trial That is
0: The Korai You don't sound very excited
1: Oh, I couldn't really hear the audio He's the Korai?
0: No, I didn't say that Actually, I don't think that the name Korai was ever mentioned in that trailer
1: Yeah, okay So Right. You know, one thing that has been happening, so this okay. is uh, you know, this is this is totally a bummer, um, that I couldn't hear the audio because you know I'm basically just going off the pictures. So. Uh, it's a picture book for me. Um the, uh the uh, you should, I am you paying said something f- I would have turned up the volume. Nah it's fine. Uh, I'll fix it in post. Uh the the uh uh I I, I have been paying far more attention to the position of Teal's little emblem on his forehead than I ever have in my entire life. Good. Well, okay. Like, with all these little like bloopers of like, yeah, did you notice the things like sideways and like, it was upside down, and it's like every time I see him now, I'm like, hey, is it on straight? <laughs> Teal'c, your uh, your little emblem's well, a, little, uh, so, a, little, so a little crooked So, so speaking
0: there. of Teal'c's emblem, there were a couple of times in this episode where I kind of felt the bottom part of it was starting to peel up a
1: little bit. Yes, okay, I wasn't oh. oh, the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. No, that's what I'm talking about, where I'm, like, paying way more attention to that stupid little piece of makeup than I should.
0: <sighs>
1: yeah. Also, you know what? Good on Christopher Judge. That scene where he was, like, you know, he's been—he's he's finding greater depths to where his corners of his mouth can go down. But the scene where he tries to coax Cassandra out, like, it—it it wasn't creepy, even though it kind of should have been. Like, his his— his personable, like that forced, well, that, 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 that somewhat forced personability that he uses to get Cassandra out. Um, Christopher judge did a good job. Like that was a, that that he he felt genuine. Yeah. It was, it was was a teal that felt a little bit
0: awkward, but purely genuine. Yes. And, and was, was friendly enough that I buy Cassandra risking to step out.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was still like it, it, it was really thin ice, but he did. He did. He did good on it. Yeah. It was good. Yep. All
0: right. So. Yeah. Uh, next time we'll talk about Core and we'll find yeah. out what happens with while Teal'c is on trial and all of that stuff, and uh, uh, we'll note four? that, that uh, Brent's description of Core AI is uh, yeah. completely wrong for this episode. No. Um, no. but yeah. uh, we'll go from there. Sure. Any other, any closing comments, Brent? None at all. All right. If you have any comments for us, you let us know by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That's W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. I had Mm -hmm. to uh, redeem myself there. Yeah, good job. Uh, or uh, message us on Twitter at Stargate Walking. Yep. Uh, or yeah. follow us on Facebook uh, at the Walking Stargate we Facebook page. Or pay attention as uh, we probably make that transition to, uh, rather than a Facebook page, but to an actual Facebook group. Uh, mm-hmm. So for those of you who have already liked uh, our Facebook page, thank you, thank
1: you, thank you. Yeah, thanks, everybody.
0: That's awesome. Uh, and uh, I invite you to... Uh, change gears uh, and go to the Facebook group. I think that's going to give all of us a little bit more flexibility. Um, Super rad. So, With that, uh, anything, anything else? Nope. Okay, so with that, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through Stargate. See you next time.
1: Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.